that God gave to men long ago To save us from sin and defeat every foe Is born unto us in a poor cattle stall He breathes as a baby, yet reigns Lord of all Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad that you're here. Welcome those of you over in East Hall, those of you who are just tuning in, uh, welcome. Uh, Dom, you did a great job hosting, you did a great job praying, but uh, there was one group of people that you should have prayed for, and those are Michigan fans. Just <laughs> really feel badly for them. But, Listen, if you're a Michigan fan, I want you to know you are welcome here. We, we welcome the brokenhearted. So I promise that's my last, that's my last Michigan jokes till next year. So, let me start with giving you a Thanksgiving basket update. If you are new to CCC, we are like a family and every family has traditions. And one of the traditions you should know about is that from Thanksgiving to Christmas, we have a blast. In some ways, we are at our very best. The people around you are amazing from Thanksgiving through Christmas. It starts with the Thanksgiving baskets, those big tubs filled with a Thanksgiving feast. On Monday, we delivered 1,653 baskets. Yeah. <laughs> to 1,653 homes, which means that more than 16,000 people, most of them children, had a Thanksgiving feast because of you, so thanks. We started a new tradition this year with Act Two. Act Two is our ministry designed for people who are 55 years and older. Instead of having a Thanksgiving celebration where they kind of just enjoyed being with each other, instead they went out to the senior facilities around this area and invited people who did not have someplace to go for Thanksgiving. They transported them here and then served them a Thanksgiving meal which was a wonderful new tradition. And now from here until Christmas, we have another tradition, and that's the Just Because cards that you'll see out in the atrium. And what we do with these Just Because cards, we each take two or three, and then we go around trying to find somebody to do some kind of act of kindness for, and our goal is to blanket Northeast Ohio with 10,000 acts of kindness and generosity between now and Christmas. We do it in grocery stores and coffee shops and restaurants and gas stations and thrift stores, anywhere that we can find someone to encourage. We do something kind for them, then hand them this card. And on the back of this card, there's a website that if they want to, they can tell us the story. And every week until Christmas, I get to read you some stories. Here's the story for this week. This comes from Jen in Stowe. She says, I was at Mark's buying something to cook for dinner. I have maybe four or five things because that's all I can buy till payday. I was just thinking while waiting in line that I have enough left for $10 of gas for my van when this gentleman told the cashier to scan and bag my stuff and he'll pay for it. My automatic reaction was to refuse, but he handed me a just because card and he said it's okay. He insists on paying. It was shocking to be in the receiving end of kindness, a random act of kindness. May God bless him and his family. All right, so grab a few of those cards and go out, have a blast, 
between now and Christmas. Find a perfect stranger uh, to encourage them because you never know how God's going to use it. All right. This week, we begin our Christmas series. We're calling it The Most Famous Story. Let me start with this. On June 23rd of 2018, a soccer team in Thailand went missing. There were 12 boys on the team that ranged in age from 11 years old to 16 years old. And they and their coach, after practice, had decided to explore a cave. And while they were in the cave, there was a sudden storm surge and they became trapped in the cave. When they discovered that they were missing, they sent out a search party. They found them, but they could not get to them. So they were trying to figure out how to rescue these boys. One of the ideas they had was to dig through the top, through the dirt, through the rock to try to get to them. But they felt like it could collapse the cave and kill all of them. Thought about trying to just get them food, but they realized they would have to get them food for four months until the rainy season ended, and then they could get to them. They finally landed on this very risky, very dangerous operation where they would use expert divers to get into the cave and then bring the boys out one by one. It was so risky that one Navy SEAL said that they were prepared to accept up to four to five casualties. It means they expected maybe to lose as many four as four or five of the boys and still count it a success. It took nine days to plan and execute the rescue, but they got every boy out safely and the coach out safely. It was absolutely amazing. It captured the attention of the entire world. There's something about rescue that we love. That's why so many of the movies we watch, so many of the books that we read are about rescue. I heard a professor say one time that if any book sells more than a million copies, look for the gospel because it's probably somewhere in there. Because in every human heart, there's like a tuning fork. And every time you hear a story of a rescue, it's like that tuning fork gets hit and there's something that vibrates deep down in your soul with a longing to be rescued yourself. And Christmas is about a lot of things. It can be about family and gifts and love. It can be about songs and tradition. But more than anything, I've begun to look at Christmas as a celebration of rescue. When God decided to rescue you. When God decided to rescue me. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. If you're over in East Hall, I know it's dark over there. It might be better for you to download a Bible on your phone so you can read it there or our church app, or you can wait for it to come up on the screen. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Luke chapter 15 as my text. This is what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. 
Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This is God's word. All right, I have three points for today. The first point is why you need to be rescued. Why you need to be rescued. Second point, why you want to be rescued. Why you want to be rescued. And the third point is why Jesus is the rescuer you both need and want. Why Jesus is the rescuer you need and want. First, why you need to be rescued. I love the way this passage begins because it describes Jesus' audience. Verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Those two groups, tax collectors and sinners, were at one pole, and scribes and Pharisees were at the other pole. This is the entire spiritual spectrum. It's sinner to saint. You are on this spectrum somewhere. You know there are people that are worse than you. You suspect there are people who are better than you. So you are somewhere on the spectrum. What's interesting about the Gospels and about Jesus in particular is that Jesus never indicates that if you are closer to saint than sinner, somehow you are closer to God and in better shape. In fact, Jesus goes to great lengths to say that everybody on the spiritual spectrum, no matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum, you need a Savior as badly as anyone else on the spiritual spectrum. Then he goes on for this story, verses 3 and 4. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost? until he finds it. I've told you before, this is, uh, this is one of those stories that I used to love telling to my kids when they were little, and I love telling my grandkids now. And the way I do it, I'll grab one of the grandkids, say, it's Chloe, my granddaughter, who's like two and a half. I'll put her on my lap, and I'll say, Chloe, I want to tell you a story. A shepherd had a hundred sheep, and all the sheep had named, he had named them all. There was a mommy sheep, and there was a daddy sheep. And there was a John sheep. And there was a very, very, very beautiful sheep named Grandma sheep. I have to throw that in. Right? <laughs> and I say there's an Uncle Will sheep, an Aunt, an Aunt Rachel sheep. And, and then I'll finally say, and there was a Chloe sheep. And when I say that, she gets really still because she's waiting to see how her story will unfold. It's a great story to tell kids, but there is a problem. And the problem is that my kids don't mind being compared to sheep. My grandkids don't mind being compared to sheep because they don't know that much about sheep. But Jesus' audience in Luke chapter 10, they knew enough about sheep to know that being compared to a sheep was not necessarily a compliment. In this story, Jesus says a shepherd had 100 sheep and one wandered off, and the shepherd had to go find the one. You know why he had to go find the one because that sheep wasn't coming back. Sheep don't find their way back home like a dog or a cat. And a sheep that wanders off is in terrible danger because there are no wild sheep. There are only two types of sheep. There are sheep that are being cared for by a shepherd and there are dead sheep or dead sheep walking, right? Those are your only options. So if that's true, if it's true that a sheep that wanders off is a dead sheep walking, then why do any sheep ever wander off? 
And the answer is, they don't know they need a shepherd. The sheep in this story wanders off because he doesn't know he needs a shepherd. And to be fair to the sheep, he doesn't need a shepherd, at least for a little bit. Sheep wander off because they're eating, and they eat a patch of grass. And what's interesting about sheep is they will eat a patch of grass until it's bare dirt, and then they have to move on and find a new patch of grass, and therein lies the problem. Because I read an article where there's some sheep that are grazing on a mountainside and they will eat a patch of grass until it's bare dirt and then they don't know what to do and they will walk to the edge and just plunge off the side. Because sheep wake up every morning thinking about one thing, how to feed themselves, how to fill themselves with something. Every human being wakes up with one thing in mind. You wake up trying to figure out how you're going to fill yourself with something that will make you feel satisfied, that will make you feel okay. And I want you to picture your life like patches of grass. When I was in high school, my patch of grass was, was sports, right? And I thought as long as my sporting career was going well, then I was filled and I was satisfied. But of course, the problem is, is that everyone ends up graduating from high school, and so that patch ends up going away. Then you can have romance where the right boyfriend, right girlfriend provides a patch of grass, marriage, then children. And I always shudder when I hear someone describe like this where they say her whole life are her kids. Because I always think what happens when those children grow up and they move away and that patch of grass that woman has been feeding on becomes bare dirt, what then? Harvard University did an interesting study. They were finding that there were a lot of freshmen that were uh, falling into deep depression, and they wanted to figure out why. That's what they find out. That every freshman that matriculated from high school to be a freshman at Harvard was valedictorian of their high school class, was a straight-A student in high school. Every single one of them, straight-A student in high school. And then they get to Harvard, and somebody's got to get B's. Somebody's got to get C's. And what they found is that these students who had spent their life eating one patch of grass, getting their value and their satisfaction from being straight A students, when they got a B or a C, found themselves at an edge of a cliff in danger of plunging off that cliff. So you, you want to know why you need to be rescued? Because the essence of sin is trying to fill the deepest need of your soul yourself. And the truth is that no matter what patch of grass you are feeding on, that patch of grass will eventually become bare dirt. And what then? Every human being finds themselves on a cliff. And that's why you need to be rescued. The second point is why you want to be rescued. Why you want to be rescued. We have a new game at our house when all the kids come over. We play hide and seek. We're at a perfect sweet spot for hide and seek because our hiders are not that good at hiding and our seekers are not that good at seeking. Right? So it's perfect balance. So we have a blast. When my wife goes and hides and I gra grab my four-year-old grandson to go look for her, he always just sprints right by 
like the best hiding places. He sprints right by the bathroom and I'll say, hey, hey, why don't you look in the bathroom? Sometimes grandma hides behind the bathroom door and it's like an epiphany to him every time. He's like, ah, you're so smart, grandpa. You know, I love that. But I love it more when I hide with him because when I hide with him, he just, he loves to hide, but he can't wait to be found. It's like he, he hasn't quite grasped the hide and seek part because we'll be under a blanket and he's like, you'll never find me. I'm hiding under a blanket, right? He's just so pumped about it. And the question is why? Why does he love to hide? Why does he love to be found? And the reason is to be, to be looked for. Even to be looked for is a sign that you are loved. Even to be looked for is a sign that you are loved. If you want to mess a kid up, play hide and seek, have them hide, and then don't go look. There is nothing worse than being lost and having no one even look for you. I find it interesting that we're all about self-esteem, right? As a culture, we're all about building self-esteem in kids and saying, everybody should get a participation trophy. Don't have winners and losers. They're too fragile for that. They need self-esteem. You need to build them up, build them up. And we do the same thing with adults. We'll say, oh, you can't, you can't offend anybody. You can't say anything about not agreeing with somebody because you might offend them. And then we need to build people up and they're too fragile. Why are we so fragile? Carl Sagan, the famous astronomer uh, who happened to be an atheist, he wrote a book called The Pale Blue Dot. The Pale Blue Dot. The premise of the book was that Earth is this, this pale blue dot in this massive universe. And if it's true there is no God, then no one, we are, we are lost, and no one is looking for us. No wonder we're so fragile. No wonder we can't have anything that gives us self-esteem for very long and it just doesn't work for very long. If you have ever been lost, I mean really lost, like those kids on the soccer team in Thailand, there are three questions you are asking that you desperately need an answer for. Does anyone know I'm lost? Does anyone care that I'm lost? And most importantly, will anyone come for me? Will anyone come for me? That brings me to the third point, why Jesus is the rescuer you both need and want. Why Jesus is the rescuer you need and want. Look at the story. It's such a great story that he tells. I'm going to kind of walk us through the story and just make a few points, and then we'll be done. It says this in verse 3 and 4, So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. My first point is really a question. How do you know? How do you know one had wandered off? There were a hundred sheep. Okay, here's two photos. One photo has a hundred sheep. The other photo has about 96 sheep. Which one's which? How long would it take you to figure it out? And no, if you're a shepherd, they don't just all stay right there. They're, they're walking around. So just so those of you who have a great curiosity uh, need to know, the green grass, that group of sheep is 100 sheep. 
and the other is like 96. Most people got it wrong when we showed it to them. How did the shepherd know? The answer is, he didn't just know he had 100 sheep. He knew each sheep. He knew them by name. In John chapter 10, when Jesus talks about himself being the good shepherd, he said, I know my sheep by name. So the shepherd would be looking out on his sheep, and he knew who hung around with who. And he knew the different groups, and all of a sudden he looks and he goes, where's Carl? Like, Carl's the name of a sheep. I made that up. (laughs) Obviously, I'm not a shepherd. (laughs) But he goes, huh, where'd he go? That's how he knew. Jesus knows you by name. And it says that he left the 99 to go to the one, right? Which sheep wandered off? I know I called him Carl, but the sheep that wandered off, he he was the dumbest sheep, (laughs) at least in this story. I mean, if a sheep that wanders off is a dead sheep walking and should never leave the shepherd, this is the dumbest sheep. If you are coming here and you feel like you don't belong, For some reason, I can't tell you how many people I've invited to church who have said, you don't want me to come to your church. If I come inside your church, the walls will fall down. They say that what they're saying is, I have gone so far away from God that I don't belong in your church. If you are here and you feel like you don't belong because you are one of the sheep that has wandered off, that might be the dumbest sheep. I want you to know this. I feel like I could give you a run for your money for being the dumbest sheep. And if not me, then somebody on your row. Just look down your row. There are some dumb sheep on your row. (laughs) But if you are the dumbest sheep, Jesus comes for you. Jesus comes for you. Then in verse 5 and 6, it says this, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. There's so much joy. The shepherd goes after the dumbest sheep. When he finds it, he rejoices. Then he brings it home and he says to all of his friends and neighbors, come rejoice with me for I found my sheep that was lost. I don't have a dog. I have have had dogs in the past. I don't have a dog now. Part of the reason I don't have a dog now is that I realize that I am a dog liker, but not a dog lover. I like dogs but I don't love dogs. And I know, I know that because when my dog would run off, would run through the invisible fence and go out into the neighborhood, and I would go out calling for the dog, whistling for the dog, chasing the dog, when I finally caught the dog, I did not rejoice. <laughs> when I came home, I didn't call my, my kids and say, come rejoice, daddy found the dog, right? <laughs> I think my dog knew. I didn't rejoice, which is probably why he ran off in the first place. (laughs) But if I was a father of one of those boys on the soccer team, I would rejoice. If I was a father of one of those boys and somebody came to me and said, your son has been found and he is safe, I would rejoice and I would call all of you and I would say, come, Rejoice with me, for my son that I love is safe. The son that I love has been 
rescued. Joy. And it says that he left the 99 to go after the one. You know what the 99 were for that shepherd? The 99 was his total net worth. A shepherd's not like a farmer with a barn full of grain. A shepherd's not like a a stockbroker with a stock portfolio. A shepherd has one thing, a flock of sheep. And he left his treasure to go after the one. So precious was the one that wandered off. So precious are you. Final point. In that rescue operation for the soccer team, they were successful in bringing all 12 boys out safe and sound. They brought the coach out safe and sound. But there was one casualty, a diver named Saman Kunan. Saman was an expert diver who ran out of air trying to rescue those boys, and he died. All the divers knew the, the danger, but only one paid the ultimate price. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells us why he was born in a manger. He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I means Jesus knew. He knew what it would take to rescue you. He knew what it would take to rescue me. And still, he came. Every person who has ever been lost, really lost, is asking three questions they desperately need an answer for. Does anyone know I'm lost? Does anyone care that I'm lost? Will anyone come for me? Christmas is a time when we get to celebrate that Jesus knew you were lost because Jesus knows you. He knows you by name. He knows where you are right now. He knows how far you have wandered from God. He knows if you are faking or not faking. He knows everything about you, but he not not only knows you, he cares because he was willing to leave all the treasure of heaven for a rescue operation for you. And then Jesus has come for you. If you are here and you are not yet a Christian and you feel like the patch of grass that you've been feeding on is beginning to to look like bare dirt and maybe that's why you're here, you are in the right place at the right time. Because Christmas is a time where we get to remind all of us that God so loved you that he sent someone to rescue you and his name is is Jesus. And if you're here and you are a Christian, let me tell you why church is such a wonderful place or should be such a wonderful place. Is this, that the the depth of shared trauma is equal to the strength of the relational bond. Let me say that again. The depth of shared trauma equals the strength of the relational bond. And what I mean by that is this, that those 12 boys who were in Thailand, who were in a cave and didn't know if anyone knew, if anyone cared, or if anyone would come, they were all rescued. They all know what that feels like. They're the only ones in the whole world 
who know exactly what that feels like. And that means they're they are tied together forever. So that 20, 30 years from now, if one of them's at a party and another one of those 12 walk in, even if they haven't seen each other in decades, the one will stop what he's doing and go over and wrap his arms around him and say, you're here. Because the two of them have something that no one else in the whole room has. Why church is such a great place. People out in your neighborhood may not know, people you work with may not know, but you come here and you get to see people who know what it's like to be rescued. If you are watching online, that's why I invite you to come. There is something about coming and gathering together with people who know, who have a shared deep trauma where you realize you were lost at one time. But Jesus came for you. Listen, Christmas is about a lot of things. It can be about love and tradition and songs and family and gift giving. But primarily, Christmas is about rescue. When God decided to rescue you, to rescue me, and he sent us Jesus. Let's think about that all this season and rejoice because we've been found. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we uh, come to you and I am so, so grateful that uh, you knew that we were lost, that you cared that we were lost, but most of all that you have come for us. I pray that you will remind that Uh, of us, uh, that you will remind us of that all the time. And as we come, those of us who are Christians, that we will be reminded even through each other that we have this shared trauma of being lost and being rescued. I pray for those who are not yet Christians. I pray that this might be the time where they realize your deep love for them and that you came for them. Thanks for being a wonderful Savior. We pray this in your name. Amen.